Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Alison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Alison. Thank you. This is Tracy V. Wilson from Stuff You Missed in History Class. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a Corolla built just for you. Check out more national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. America's two great pastimes collide on this podcast. It is baseball and making money from the dog days of summer through the October Classic. Greg Faces Peterson's going to be free swinging at the betting board as he tries to hit a grand slam for your bankroll. Now here is GP. Hello, everyone. It is a lovely Wednesday. Welcome into the Vivid Seat Studios for MLB Overtime Betting. It is a great pleasure to have on Danny Vietti today of CBS Sports. Going to be joining me in the second segment. We did this interview prior to Game 1 just because, well, Game 1 was a very long one. And if we were to do an interview, it would probably be done at like 10 p.m. Pacific time. Just absolutely a little bit of a horse apiece there to try to get that up. But we're going to be previewing game two. We're going to be looking at this series in general. He is one of the best that I know, so that is going to be terrific. And in the final segment, I give you a side and total on game two of the World Series. It's something I like to call Touch Em All, even though Touch Em All is going to be one game from here on out. And let's take a look back at that one game that we saw yesterday, game one of the World Series. This is also typically the part of the podcast in which I answer your Twitter questions. Fire those in at GNRSQUARTY1. Did not get in any Twitter questions today, but as always, tweet those into the timelines. If you send them into the DMs, well, it's like trying to bet on the Kansas City Royals to win the 2019 World Series. 
Series, it's just not going to turn out well for you. Meanwhile, if you send them into the timeline, it's like having either the Nationals or the Astros to win the NL slash AL pennant, and you have already cashed there. Always feel free to tweet those into the timeline. Now let's take a look back at Game 1 of the World Series and what was a very, very interesting game. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. In two years with the Houston Astros regular season and postseason going into Tuesday, Garrett Cole had given up more than four earned runs just once. And what happened to him on Tuesday? The Washington Nationals get to him for five runs. The Nationals, as plus 180 to 185-ish underdogs, wind up pulling off a 5-4 to four win. And according to Ralph Michaels, he tweeted this out a little bit earlier, underdogs of plus 150 or greater in Game 1 of the World Series had been all of their last 17. That was not the case in this one, as Mad Max Scherzer winds up giving up two runs in the first inning, but he settles down from there. He goes five innings, giving up two runs, both of which were earned 112 pitches in the start, and that meant that you needed a lot of bullpen help from the Washington Nationals. Patrick Corbin gave this team an inning. He is a projected Game 3 starter, and then from there, Tanner Rainey gets it out, but he was a little bit loose, gave up two walks for the season he had been giving up right around six walks for nine innings, but Daniel Hudson and Sean Doolittle get the final eight outs. In the process, they give up one run. They were able to get the job done, and who else was getting the job done for the Washington Nationals? Juan Soto and Ryan Zimmerman. Zimmerman goes deep for his first home run of the World Series, and then with Juan Soto, he had three RBI in this one, including a home run off of Garrett Cole. As Garrett Cole winds up going seven innings, so he still delivered a lot of length, but he did give up those five runs. He had six punch outs. Prior to this game, he had been getting 12.7 strikeouts per nine innings in the playoffs. He gets less than a strikeout per inning in this one. And then from there, you had Will Harris and Josh Smith both provide an inning out of the bullpen. And for the Houston Astros, they were able to get a long ball off of Tanner Rainey. That was off the bat of George Springer, who by and large has been very good for the Houston Astros this postseason. And if you're looking for an encouraging sign for the Astros, Jordan Alvarez was able to get two hits in this one. Now, he also stranded the bases loaded with a strikeout, but at the very least, he looked a little bit more competent at the plate, but Alex Bregman continues to struggle. He had three strikeouts in this one. Needless to say, things have not necessarily been going well for him, but how about Juan Soto, who was able to hit a home run for the Nationals? Three RBI, as I mentioned earlier. He was, I believe, a triple away from the strike as well, so by and large, he has been doing a terrific job, and you could tell that putting Howie Kendrick at the DH spot, even though he didn't get a hit, that was big for this team, as he was a little bit of defensive liability. Now you're able to have Ezrubal Cabrera out there, so a lot of takeaways from this game one. Washington Nationals 5, Houston Astros 4. And if you're taking a look at favorites by and large for the postseason, they are now, if I remember correctly, 20 and 13. And this was one of the biggest caches of the postseason of any underdog. I believe the only ones that were bigger were all by the Tampa Bay Rays. So a huge win for the Washington Nationals. And what else is huge is being able to get a lot of savings on tickets. If you're wanting to attend one of these World Series games, maybe you're a little bit more of one to tailgate before an NFL game and watch one of those. You're able to get tickets to all those events and so much more. Thanks to our good buddies at Vivid Seats. And if you go to the Vivid Seats app and you're a first-time customer, if you type in the promo code OVERTIME, that's all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to the app, you're able to get up to $100 off of all tickets. That is the promo code OVERTIME for all your ticket needs. And it's not just 
games. It's not just the World Series that they've got tickets to. If you're a concert goer, they've got you covered there. That is, once again, the promo code OVERTIME to save up to $100 off of all tickets. And a man that is going to be helping me out next to just take a look at the World Series, preview game two, and talk about just how dominant these two pitchers have been all year long, our man Danny Vietti of CBS Sports. And that is coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg is phoning a friend and going out to the Azunia Hotline. And we are back here on MLB Overtime Betting. Greg Peterson coming at you from the Vivid Seat Studios out here in lovely Las Vegas. We've had this man on the podcast quite a few times the past few weeks. And this is a man that I really didn't know until this baseball season. But discovering him is one of the best things that we have done all year long. As Danny Vietti of CBS Sports is joining me. This is a man that does a terrific job of covering baseball for them. He has been at it all year long, all the way from the games that were played in Japan between Seattle and Oakland, all the way to now going into the World Series. And this is a man that has been doing a very good job of being able to predict these series as well. He had the Houston Astros in the World Series over the New York Yankees. He felt like those were the top two teams. And I want to get his opinion on this World Series as you can follow this man on Twitter at Danny Vietti, and that last name is spelled V-I-E-T-T-I. Danny, how are you doing today? Doing great. No better time than World Series time, and uh, I'm pumped up for it. And I think baseball fans around the country are going to get hopefully seven great games, but hopefully just a good series overall. I agree with you, and I know that you've been very much a believer in the Astros being able to win the World Series, and I'm right there with you. With that said, I know that you're not necessarily one of the guys that looks at the gambling lines a whole heck of a lot, but I do think that there is some value in the Washington Nationals. We saw in game one, Max Scherzer was right around plus 180. So if you put down $100, you would get back $180 if you bet on Max Scherzer along with your original 100 And I do think that this is a series in which has the potential to be able to go six or seven games. And I would actually argue that a shorter series plays into favor of the Washington Nationals because I think we'd both agree the Nationals have some very good starting pitching, but their big bugaboo is the fact that they've had to use a lot of that starting pitching on their bullpen. Yeah, you hit it right on the nose. And I was just talking with a couple of coworkers over here, and they asked me, who you got, who you got? And I said the same thing in the NLCS. If the Nationals can keep the series short, they have a chance. Because after Anibal Sanchez, Steven Strasburg, Max Scherzer, and Patrick Corbin, there's question marks. And I know Sean Doolittle has been very good this postseason, and so is Daniel Hudson. But... They haven't done it across their careers. Doolittle's been hurt a lot of his career. Hudson, he started out as a starter back with Arizona, and he's been kind of bouncing around a couple teams, and he's really found a a really good niche with Washington this year. But after that, there's guys with control problems, like guys like Fernando Rodney, Tanner Rainey. They're both guys that you just don't know what you're going to get once they get out on the mound. Wander Suero. Exactly. There's a handful of them. They, They could be great. But in a World Series, it's not exactly the best time to test your cards. And so I think if the Nationals can keep it to within a four to five game series, they're going to have a chance. But if this series goes six to seven games, Astros have better depth in their bullpen and they have better depth on their bench as well. They're just a deeper team uh, through and through. The Nationals have a chance, but I'm picking the Astros in six. I'm sticking with my Astros. 
Absolutely. And it's one of those things where if you've listened to the podcast, you know that I don't call Fernando Rodney, Fernando Rodney. I call him Fernand. Oh, no. <laughs> Rodney, because you want absolutely no part of that guy. It's Danny Vietti. He's joining me right here on the podcast. But a guy you can feel a little bit more secure about is Steven Strasburg. He's going to be going in game two against Joseph Verlander. And if I were to pick one guy I would want on the mound for the Houston Astros in a must-win game, it would honestly be Garrett Cole instead of Justin Verlander. Verlander certainly has had a couple woes in this postseason. He's given up more than three runs twice already. Meanwhile, with Steven Strasburg, he's done a terrific job for this team. We saw him come out of the bullpen against the Milwaukee Brewers. And by and large, Steven Strasburg has really come to the forefront. And I do think that there's going to be a lot of value on him because you know that Steven Strasburg is going to be a big underdog. And I think that he actually matches up very well with Justin Verlander, a guy that has been giving up quite a few home runs all year long, even when he was at his best. It's incredible. What you're seeing now is something we haven't seen since Madison Bumgarner. And before Bumgarner, we'd really never seen anything like it. Through their first three postseason starts, Bumgarner, he threw 23 and two-thirds innings. He had a .76 ERA, 23 Ks, and he had an opponent batting average of 165. Garrett Cole... This year, through his first three postseason starts, 22 and two-thirds innings, .40 ERA, 32 strikeouts, and a 133 point batting average. So he has a less ERA, more strikeouts, and he's given up less hits than Madison Bumgarner. We all know the historical performance that Bumgarner put out there in 2014. And look, Garrett Cole's got to, in order to get to that level of Madison Bumgarner, he's got to do it in the World Series, too, because what Bumgarner did was most evident in the World Series. What well, he took the Giants from having a chance to really being a World Series team, and it proved true. And as far as Strasburg, I don't know how this guy has constantly been overlooked when he was the most highly touted prospect, starting pitching prospect we've seen really of this generation. This guy, he came up, he was the number one overall pick out of San Diego State. And he came up through the system very quickly, and he made his debut in Washington. And he had, I, I want to say, his 14, 15 Ks, and it was the biggest rookie starting debut that we've seen really in recent history. And this guy's been just solid every season he's been out there. And I know he's had some injury concerns. He had Tommy John early on in his career. But if you look at his postseason success, I mean, my God, he has the third Greatest ERA in MLB history with a minimum of five starts. History. This guy is along with some of the greats of all times. We're talking about all-time great pitchers. And I know his experience in the postseason isn't as much as other teams. He's only had, looks like, seven starts. But this season alone has been incredible. He's got a 1-1-0 ERA through his first seven starts in his career. So, Strasburg, I don't know how we have overlooked this guy because... I would argue that he's a better pitcher than Garrett Cole, but Garrett Cole is just has better stuff. I mean, Strasburg can't go out there and throw 100 miles an hour for 100 pitches. Garrett Cole can. Absolutely. And one thing that I also noticed about Steven Strasburg is that he largely is the same pitcher home to road. Now, granted, it seems like almost every pitcher pitches a little bit different home to road, but by and large, he is pretty consistent with that regard. And being able to have that consistency is huge because we just don't see it with too many guys that Steven Strasburg throughout his career, and especially this year, has been very much the same pitcher no matter where he's pitched. Yeah, I mean, if you look at the splits, he likes pitching in Washington. I mean, 
that's every pitcher, right? They like pitching in their own home ballpark. But yeah, if you look at Strasburg just across his career, home versus way, he has a 219 opponent average at home and 226 on the road. So that's nothing to shake your head about. And then ERA-wise, he's been very good both on the road and at home. So obviously comfortability is huge, especially in the postseason. But at this point in time, Strasburg's shown he's done on the road and at home. He's shown that he's versatile and has the ability to pitch in uncomfortable situations, which is really essential. If you want to win a World Series ring, you've got to do things you're not comfortable doing. And I think going off subject here for a little bit, I think that's been the Dodgers' biggest issue and Clayton Kershaw's biggest issue is that when he's put in uncomfortable situations, he doesn't thrive. And I've heard a lot of people argue that it's on Dave Roberts for putting Clayton Kershaw in these situations that are uncomfortable that he's not used to being in. Because in the regular season, he goes out there every fifth day and he's absolutely dominant. All of a sudden, the postseason hits and he expects Kershaw to pitch two innings out of the bullpen here. And So for the Nationals, Strasburg's shown the ability to do all the above as has Scherzer. Corbin struggled that one inning against Los Angeles. I think it was game three in Washington. But those three guys have shown they can pitch in uncomfortable situations, whether it's on the road or at home. And Verlander has struggled a little bit on the road this postseason. We do have Danny Vietti of CBS Sports joining me right here on the podcast. And one thing I can tell you right now is both managers, A.J. Hinch and Davey Martinez, certainly would not have kept Joe Kelly out there with the bases loaded to give up a grand slam. But speaking of the managers, I really like the way that Davey Martinez has done such a great job of cobbling up the bullpen. It's not very long ago. As a matter of fact, right around like the middle of May, early June, in which so many people were calling for the head of Davey Martinez. And yet I feel like he might be the most important component as to why this team has gotten to the World Series because... This team is without Bryce Harper. They were more than 10 games below 500 at one point this year. And yet, he has done such a great job of being able to maneuver all these pieces. He's done a just revolutionary job with the bullpen, and he's got him in the spot. I think he has had a a big impact on just the team culture itself. Because once Harper left, I think there was a loss for identity with this team. And as you mentioned, back in May, there was an article uh, put out there by Thomas Boswell the Washington Post. And I don't mean to pick on Thomas at all because he does awesome work for the the Post and I read his stuff on a regular basis. But he put out there that Dave Martinez is a good man, but he probably shouldn't be managing the Nats. And he did a full column on it. And of course, this was back on May 22nd. And I was looking at that thread, just one of these off days where we didn't have a baseball game. It was entertaining to me because all these national fans were sounding off on saying Davey misuses the bullpen and they should have kept Dusty Baker. They downgraded with Martinez. And in hindsight, obviously, we can look at Dave now and say what a good job he's done. But I think what's really been overlooked is his ability to put fun back in the clubhouse. And I don't want to put all this on Bryce Harper because I'm not against Bryce Harper. But with Bryce Harper comes more pressure and more expectations. When this team started to find its groove in June, the pressure just fell off because everybody wrote them off when they were almost last in the NL East. I believe they were fourth at one point in June. And then they went on their run. There was no pressure on them. Everybody was counting them out. And I don't know what Dave said. I don't know what his win one for the Gipper speech was exactly. But you see that I just saw, I was watching them on the pregame on MLB Network just now. And the guys, I don't know what were in these cups, but they were taking shots before the game. Shots of liquor, I have no idea. Shots of water, whatever it was. These guys are having fun. Shots of victory. 
It's shot that maybe we'll, we'll have to find out. But Anthony Rendon, he encompasses that team perfectly because he's a very quiet leader. And Bryce Harper is not exactly quiet, but this guy doesn't say much. He just goes out there and plays his game. And I think that's what the Nationals are as a team. They don't talk much. They just go out there and they have fun. And there's no pressure. And you can see it in their faces. They just have fun playing with each other. They certainly do, and I noticed that ever since that rut that they were in in late May slash early June, they've been a little bit more consistent. And something that I have a little bit of a question mark with the Astros with going back to the ALCS is consistency because we saw guys like Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel, despite the big home run, Robinson Torinos, guys like that. They really were not able to do a whole lot with the bat. Meanwhile, with the Washington Nationals, yeah, they went a little bit cold from time to time against the St. Louis Cardinals, but by and large, they have been the more consistent team. I do think that that gives the Nationals a little bit of an advantage as well because you've seen guys like Juan Soto, Anthony Rendon, heck, even Michael A. Taylor be able to come through, whereas with the Astros, one thing that really made them dangerous during the regular season was the fact that everyone in their lineup was able to hit, and that consistency has been there more for the Nationals this postseason than it has been for the Astros. I think you could take that as a positive for Houston, actually. If you look on the flip side, Houston has not hit the ball well, yet here they are in the World Series, which is crazy to think about because Jordan Alvarez, he's probably going to win AL Rookie of the Year this year, 0-53 in the ALCS with 10 strikeouts. So I think that's kind of scary if you think about it because you got to consider who they're facing too because the Yankees starting pitching isn't good. They ranked middle of the pack or last in almost every category this year, strikeouts, innings, pitch, all the above. But their strategy, the Yankees' strategy, was to use their bullpen. And when you're facing bullpen arms five to six innings a game, bullpen arms nowadays are all strikeout pitchers. And the Houston Astros don't strike out a lot, but they met their kryptonite, if you will, against New York. They didn't score a ton of runs, but their pitching dominated, and they stuck with it, and they stuck to their game plan. So, yes, Houston's floor, it might be, I don't want to say lower than Washington. Washington has just proved that they've been a little bit more consistent. But Washington hasn't faced the pitchers that Houston has faced so far. you got to think, too, Tampa Bay had really good arms. Tyler Glasnow, Blake Snell, Charlie Morton. In that bullpen between Alvarez and Pagan, Tampa Bay's bullpen and starting pitcher was really good. So I will say the Washington Nationals have shown that they've been more consistent so far in the postseason, but they have not faced the pitching that the Houston Astros have so far. I have to come to the defense a little bit on the Los Angeles Dodgers with regards to their pitching because going into the postseason across the last 30 days of the regular season, they had the top bullpen ERA in the big leagues and the trio of Hunjin Ryu, Clayton Kershaw, and Walker Buehler, probably the third best starting rotation in the big leagues behind that of the Nationals and the Houston Astros. So I do think that that needs to be stated. And when it comes to this series, I do think that there is one advantage that the Washington Nationals have, aside from maybe the fact that Justin Verlander has been a little bit less consistent than Steven Strasburg, and that's going to be in Game 2. It is the fact that with the Houston Astros, Wade Miley just completely fell off the map in September, and that means that the Game 4 starter is a little bit more in flux. We saw them in the ALCS have to go with a bullpen game, and the Washington Nationals are going to be able to trot out there Anibal Sanchez, who has looked very good this postseason. And I do think that if the Nationals are going to be able to steal one, Game 4 really might be that chance for them to be able to do so. Yeah, I think you, you said it perfectly. Game two, there's an opportunity for the Nats to steal one against Verlander. Uh, and in game four, like you just mentioned, 
there's definitely opportunity there because the starting pitching depth is just better for Washington. One through four. One through three, uh, it's kind of a toss-up who you want to choose between Verlander, Cole, and Granke, or Scherzer, Strasburg, and Corbin. But, but one through four, you got to give the advantage to Washington just because Anibal Sanchez has been absolute nails this postseason. I mean, he's been a breakout story. Just two years ago, he was pitching and he had a 5-5 year array. So he's really retooled himself. He utilizes that feather changeup, comes in there at about 70 miles an hour, sometimes lower. Yeah, that game four is going to be interesting to say the least because I don't know if they're going to throw Wade Miley out there game four. They opted not to against New York. They added Chris Davinsky to their bullpen for this World Series roster. And Brad Peacock, he did give up the bomb. I forget who it was against New York. Was that Gary Sanchez? It might have been Gary, his lone hit maybe of the ALCS, I should say. It may have been, yeah, but he was really good, especially that first inning. He got out of there in like seven pitches. So I think Houston, there is a hole for Washington because they're going to have more pitching depth in that game four. But Houston's shown that they can win with a bullpen game. They have enough depth and they even added, as I mentioned, Davinsky to that roster. I am a little worried about Roberto Ozuna. And I know, I'm sure you've been seeing everything on social lately. There's a little bit of controversy. I don't really want to get too much into that, but there's a lot of controversy surrounding Ozuna and a lot of that front office in Houston. But I I mean, Ozuna was knocked around both in the ALDS and the ALCS. So there's question marks surrounding him as well. Yes, there are. The Roberto Ozuna situation for the last couple of years, needless to say, it has not been good. But one situation that is always fantastic is the written work of one Danny Vietti. I'd like to close it up with this. I know you do just an absolutely terrific job with CBS Sports. People can follow you on Twitter at Danny Vietti. You've joined this podcast many times and you always bring it. Let the good people at home know where they can get a little bit more of your work, follow you, and all the good stuff because you always do a tremendous job whenever you join Emma. I'll be overtime betting. I appreciate it, Greg. Yeah, uh, at Danny Vietti on Twitter. And if you type in Danny Vietti, uh, CBS Sports on Google, or you can just check me out at cbssports.com. Uh, my latest is breaking down five moves that I believe the Yankees should make this offseason uh, if they want to make another uh, get back to the World Series. So that's my latest. And uh, hit me up on Twitter or follow me on cbssports.com and I'd love to chat. Terrific. And a big thanks to Danny Vietti of CBS Sports for joining me right here on the podcast. And coming up next right here on MLB Overtime Betting, it is that time that I give you a side in total. A game two of the World Series. Something else to call. Touch them all. Welcome back to MLB Overtime. Greg is throwing a gem. So, yeah, he better not blow it. for joining me right here on MLB Overtime Betting as we're back here in the Vivid Seat Studios. And just a friendly reminder that if you're wanting to bet the World Series and you're looking for a place that has a very expansive menu, how about my friends at MyBookie? And not only do they have a bunch of options for betting the World Series, you get the side and the total just like I break down on this podcast, but you've got various player props, first inning, first five, you name it, you're able to do it, series prices, how many games will the series go, list goes on and on. And they do a little bit more than just baseball as well. You want to do some NFL betting, the NBA is now in full force. College basketball is a couple weeks away. My friends at mybookie.ag have you covered on all of it. And you get your first deposit doubled if you use my promo code overtime. That is all one word, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E. And that is up to 
$1,000 that they're going to match dollar for dollar if you make your first deposit and use that promo code. And my bookie is a place where you bet, you win, and good golly gosh darn it, you get paid. And now it is that time as I am doing this as the opening lines are coming out for Game 2 of the World Series. I give you a side and total on it. It's something I call touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Note that if I make changes to these plays, and I have yet to lock in either of these, I will be honest with you, because like I said, these lines just came out. It's going to be noted up on my Twitter feed, at GNRS41. It is 903-904 on the betting rotation. Houston Astros are playing host to the Washington Nationals. Steven Strasburg goes for the Nats. Justin Verlander for the Houston Astros. Total in this game is 7.5. Under a juice of Cross Vegas between minus 115 and minus 120. Note that offshore books might vary from this a little bit but by and large the Nationals plus 160 underdog. Meanwhile if you want to lay with the Astros anywhere between minus 175 and minus 180 and this is a spot that we're once again going to be looking at the Washington Nationals. We were going through it with Scott Seidenberg a few days ago when he joined the podcast. A lot of value here in betting the Nationals and with Steven Strasburg home to road he has been very much a similar pitcher and with Justin Verlander we have seen him go down a couple times at home. He's looked a little bit shakier in this postseason as well and even towards the end of the regular season he had a couple less than stellar starts against teams like the LA Angels this is a guy that throughout the year he was doing so many things so well but his one big bugaboo was giving up the long ball and with the Washington Nationals you do have some mashers we saw Juan Soto go deep yesterday Howie Kendrick had that big grand slam in game five of the NLDS against the LA Dodgers Anthony Rendon we all know as a guy that could certainly go deep. You've got so many options for the Washington Nationals. Victor Robles obviously doesn't have a whole lot of pop, but he does a good job of being able to get on base. You've got a very good lineup for the Washington Nationals, and I certainly do think that it's true. The floor of the Nationals isn't quite as low as that of the Houston Astros, and one thing that you want to note with the Houston Astros as well is the fact that they were able to get some hits going yesterday. That was big. The George Springer home run is nice. George Springer, Michael Brantley have really been the two constants for this team during this postseason. I will say that Jose Altuve has been very good as well, but Alex Bregman right now in a big funk for this team. No matter if they trot out their Martin Maldonado or if they send out the Robinson Torinos at the catcher spot, both these guys have not necessarily been getting the job done. It was very encouraging that Jordan Alvarez was able to get two hits yesterday, but he has three hits over the team's last seven games as well. That's a little bit of an issue. Carlos Correa has not necessarily been producing. And for the Houston Astros, their bullpen by and large has been pretty good. But if you have to trot out their Roberto Ozuna because Harris and Smith went yesterday, it's going to be a little bit of an issue. And for the Washington Nationals, obviously you're probably not going to have Patrick Corbin coming out of the bullpen. He wound up pitching in game one. And you got to think that he's still going to be a starter in game three. You had to burn up Danny Hudson and Sean Doolittle. But I would not be surprised if Doolittle, who went just 13 pitches yesterday, is going to be able to give this team an ending as well. And I'm betting on Steven Strasburg being able to give at least seven strong for the Washington Nationals. So for that reason, we are going to be taking the money line of the Nationals, which just went up at plus 165 at the South Point as I'm doing this podcast. So obviously you're going to be able to get some good value there. And we're going to be taking this total under. The under started with juice of minus 120 to minus 125 in a lot of spots. That is now between minus 115 and minus 120. So that is continuing to ascend. So I'm in waiting to see out of both of these, but that's where I'm going for game two of the World Series. And a big thanks to Danny Vietti of C CBS Sports for helping me preview this game and look at the series in general. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, I'll be with you every day throughout the MLB postseason. And you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Ever have a question for the podcast? 
fire it into my timeline at GNRS41. And let's make today a successful, profitable, and fun one. I'll talk to you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Have a great day.